Today, I'm happy to welcome Tiffany and Chris Kairos to the podcast. Tiffany was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of 22. The onset of Tiffany's epilepsy occurred only months after she and Chris were married and plunged them into a serious health crisis that would deeply impact the first several years of their marriage and professional lives. They are here today to discuss Tiffany's epilepsy journey, its repercussions on their lives, and how they have navigated these challenges as a couple. Tiffany, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. First off, I cannot believe that it has been five years since I saw you guys in person. Um, you both look amazing, and I'm just so thrilled to be able to share your journey today because I think that you have so much experience and knowledge to share with this community, and, and you're both just lovely people. So welcome. And, you know, just to, to kick things off, can you tell us about the first time that you had a seizure, Tiffany? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me begin by saying thank you so much for having us on your program. It's an honor. Um, but yes, I was uh, 16. It was 2002. I was asleep and um, I had had a grand mal seizure while I was asleep. Um, I woke up to being carried down uh, on a gurney with a paramedic on either side of me, dazed and confused, unsure of what was going on. Um, and they took me into the ambulance and took me to the hospital, ran tests and let me know that it was a seizure. But you were not diagnosed with epilepsy at that time. I understand there was a pretty large gap in between your first seizure and your second seizure. Um, what what happened after that first seizure and and then tell us about that second one sure so after the first seizure happened i was placed on medication uh it was dilantin and i was on that medication for about 6 months and i had no other seizures within that time span so they took me off of that medication and i just continued on life after that, <laughs> just a normal girl finishing out, you know, my teenage years. And um, fast forward to 2008, I, Chris and I had only been married uh, for four months. It was December 2008. I was driving and I crashed my car. While I was driving, my muscles had gone limp and my vision just became like tunnel vision, it started to go, you know, black. So uh, when I woke up from the car crash, I had only suffered whiplash, thank God. They loaded me up into the ambulance again. <laughs> and I was dazed and confused. And they asked me who should, I, you know, who should they call? So they called Chris. <laughs> that was not a fun call. <laughs> No, I can't imagine it was. What did they tell you? They said your wife was in an accident. Um, I said, how's she doing? And they said, well, she's still breathing. So <laughs> to, to me, I was oh my gosh. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. so, so, so thankfully, they were able to pass me on to somebody else who, who knew a little bit more. And they said, well, your wife was driving. She had an accident. She drove off the side of the road. Uh, she's okay. Uh, but we're taking her to the hospital. They told me 
where they were taking her and you know obviously I kind of dropped everything I was at work at the time hmm. dropped everything and took that white knuckle drive over <laughs> to the to the hospital yeah. yeah so again you know they ran a lot of tests the same tests that they did when I was 16 and it being my second seizure um, I was diagnosed as having epilepsy at that point. And what were you told about epilepsy at that time? Or I mean, what did you, what did you guys even know about epilepsy? I knew nothing. I didn't even know what that word meant. <laughs> yeah, same same here. I mean, I I knew the word generally, but I didn't yeah know what it really was. You know, <laughs> I've heard the word, but that was that was about it. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so what were you told at that time? You were like, okay, well, you've had two unprovoked seizures. So now you have epilepsy. Were you given any education materials? I Obviously, you were put on a medication. Mm -hmm. I was put back on Dilantin, the same medication I was, you know, when I was 16. They gave me the standard packet that they do, you know, um, but I was given very little information. <laughs> they told me, uh, what I wouldn't be able to do, what I shouldn't do. And they told me uh, that there were support groups in my area. And that was, that was pretty much the extent yeah. of it. <laughs> and, they, and they wanted to, you know, do a follow-up where they could get her hooked up with a neurologist, you know, things like that. So it was very kind of basic information and right. pr procedure at that point. Yeah. I mean, you're 22 years old. You guys are just, you're newlyweds. Yeah. I mean, the first year of anyone's marriage, they say, is is the hardest. But <laughs> yeah. you guys like kicked it up an extra notch here, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just that's such a young age where you are expecting, I mean, you're an adult legally and in all other senses, but but these are these are incredibly challenging skills to learn and develop, to be an advocate for yourself, Chris, to be an advocate for Tiffany, to, to learn the medical system and how to function and operate in it. What did those early, you know, days, weeks, months feel like for you guys? And, and were you able to get control of the seizures? You, know, you said you started on Dilant and, and, and did it work or were you having more seizures? It didn't work. <laughs> it really didn't work. Um, they were having a difficult time trying to manage my seizures because they were acting very, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, unpredictable, unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was having to, uh, navigate my emotions because, uh, this was all new to me. I, I didn't understand what was happening and I felt alone. I didn't know anybody else that had epilepsy. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I could say the same as far as, yeah, like she was saying, everything was new and it was different. So it was like, it's just things that we hadn't dealt with before. You know, we always say, we always kind of say like, yeah, we got our vows tested right out the gate. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> our wedding vows were tested right out the gate. It was a, we always say it was a journey, you know, mm -hmm. it was a, it was a day by day thing, kind of a minute by, by minute thing at certain points, yeah. you know, as I'm sure you have experienced and many others have as well, where, yeah, you really, you do have to take it one step at a time. And that's, that's really all we could do. And that's what we did. You know, Tiffany, I, you know, you had to quit your job, right? Because of this, I mean, this was, this wasn't, 
you know, you go on living your life. I mean, your life was entirely upended and in turn, Chris, yours was too, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm not a quitter. (laughs) I really tried to continue working uh, despite having uh, the seizures, but the seizures just wouldn't allow me to work because I would have them, uh, you know, on the job, which made it uh, very dangerous. So I just had to make the decision that I couldn't work. (laughs) It just wasn't the smart move. And they were grand mal seizures that were happening often and in the beginning a lot there so if i was at work you know there was no one there with her and and then on top of that we had all these doctor's appointments and things like that so it just kind of became really hard for me to stay consistent at work too to where i actually had to quit my job as well and ultimately we ended up you know losing our first town home and actually the dreaded thing that i'm sure nobody (laughs) who is newlyweds wants to think about is we had to move back home. You know, we had to move in with my mom. So, which we're thankful for her, you know, and for having a place to go. But yeah, it definitely, it rocked our world. (laughs) That's for sure. I mean, that's, it's, it's just, it's so much change in such a short period of time. How did you educate yourselves on epilepsy and, and where did you turn to for support? Well, both of us, we were given very little information to go on as far as understanding what epilepsy and seizures were. So um, I think the both of us uh, can say that we went to Dr. Google. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. I really spent a lot of time just Googling everything. You know, I I looked at all the medical types of websites. I looked at holistic websites. I looked at forums, you know, mm-hmm. things like that, where I was just trying to find as much information as I could. You know, at the time back then, I was typing in, how do you cure epilepsy? You know, because <laughs> it was still so new. I didn't know, you know, that at that yeah. point, there is no cure, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just management. But it yeah, it was definitely a lot of Googling. Yeah. I would say that was the bulk of kind of what we did, you know. Yeah. We had contact with with her doctors and things like that. But, you know, you're limited to appointment times or to the things that you think of while you're in the room. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> At the time, we didn't know to prepare for appointments ahead of time. There's a learning curve, right? In those early days of just, you have to learn how to communicate with doctors and how to function within the system. And there is no guidebook for that. You just have to really figure it out on your own. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that 30% of those diagnosed with epilepsy do not respond to current medications? That is why for 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been committed to inspiring hope and delivering impact by funding patient-focused research to find a cure for epilepsy. Learn more about our mission and our research by visiting cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. Tiffany, you talked about how lonely it was in the beginning and so how did you find the support to lift you up to the person you are today? I found a group on Facebook um, with a bunch of patients and caregivers. And I was just amazed at the amount of support that was being 
um, shown with one another. And that was given to me. That was so inspiring and encouraging. You know, being with family and that closely with them too at the time, I mean, they were super supportive. Oh, yes. They were, uh, <laughs> they were very supportive. So I think our family was huge. Oh my yeah. goodness, yes. Yeah. <laughs> As a newlywed couple, I'm sure you had thoughts and plans for what your future would look like. And, you know, I'm not sure if that had included children, but how, how did the epilepsy diagnosis affect your future planning? Well, you know, um, before the seizure happened in 2008, I, of course, had this, you know, beautiful thought in my mind of children and flowers and making dinner, all those things that, you know, one would have, you know, after you get married. But that was quickly changed <laughs> because health comes first. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Is that something that you spoke to your doctors about? Uh, yeah. Uh, a couple years later, we talked to the doctor about that. And um, you know, he let me know that it, it could be, there could be a risk. I have a type of epilepsy. Um, it's called refractory epilepsy, which means it's difficult to manage with medication. So they were trying all different types of medication to try and stop the seizures or at least lessen them. Mm -hmm. um, and I was having difficult seizures. <laughs> so uh, the combination of that, you know, would be uh, very risky to both the fetus and myself. Yeah, the yeah, especially, you know, the side effects of the medication when she was on probably, you know, three different medications at that time. And the fact of, you know, seizures were to happen especially grand mal seizures if they were to happen while she was pregnant i mean it's literally you know one seizure happening could be devastating you know and and at that time again like she was saying there was really no seizure control at all mm. Um, mm -hmm. so it was very risky and not only would it have been would it have been dangerous potentially for a baby but yeah also for her you know <laughs> so there was a lot to consider <laughs> there was yeah yeah it never ceases to shock me just how many different aspects of our life epilepsy can affect, um, you know, from your professional life to family planning to uh, obviously your health. But there is just it's it, it's ramifications on our life are so grand and so wide. Now, I do understand that you while you have not, um, you do not have total seizure control, you have been able to make some progress with medications. When did you finally see that shift where the, in particular, the, the tonic-clonic seizures weren't happening regularly? Well, you know, um, I do have two types of seizures. I have the uh, complex partial seizures and I have the tonic-clonic seizures. Those uh, typically happen, what um, would you say, every three? Tonic-clonics, yeah. yeah. About three, four. three to four months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the complex partials more often. More often. A lot the, more often. Yeah, a lot more often. So um, I'll take that over the tonic-clonic seizures. Yeah. 
when she went to Cleveland Clinic for the first time and got her current neurologist who she's with now, maybe around 2017-ish, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah. He put her on, you know, a certain cocktail, I yeah. guess you could say, of medications, yeah. right? <laughs> um, that that was really kind of a turning point of when the grand mal seizures started to lessen. S- yeah, space out further. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, so you had that second seizure in 2008, you said? Eight. Yep. And it mm-hmm. took until 2007. So you're talking almost 10 years yes. before <laughs> you could get significantly improved control. Yeah. A lot of trial and error of medications and yes. learning and, learning triggers. And, you know, <laughs> switching doctors as well, yeah. though. Yeah. Yes. What I mean, we were sort of talking about that before we started recording, just how important it is to find that doctor that you finally mm. trust and listens to you and you can communicate with and, and, you know, whatever all those pieces are, all those boxes to check. But um, at a certain point, Tiffany, you found a way to accept epilepsy as a part of your life and began to figure out a way to move forward with epilepsy and you and Chris started the Epilepsy Network. Tell us about that and what um, what motivated you to become an advocate. Yeah, you know, um, when I found that group on Facebook and I just, I saw that support that was being shown with everybody else and that I was receiving, that was a light bulb moment for me. That was something that really, you know, stuck with me. I wanted to be able to create a community also that um, could help others and help them not feel alone, like I had felt alone in the beginning. Um, So I thought to myself, well, I'm not sure exactly where to go from here. I don't know what to do. (laughs) I've never advocated before, but I thought, well, you know, I think I might try and make a video, you know, I'm scared, you know, I've never been in front of the camera, but I'm scared, but I really want to advocate because I want to help people. And so I grabbed my little Fuji camera. I love it. Hold on to I it. kept it, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if you remember, you know, the index cards and I wrote on them, you know, and I propped this up. And I recorded and I shared my story and I put it on um, YouTube and the amount of, you know, support and the impact that it had was just beyond my understanding. I was amazed. Over 10,000 people saw that video. Which I think goes to show how many people are out there looking for community, right? They're looking Mm -hmm. to find someone else that they can connect with so that they don't feel so isolated and alone. I'm always curious because I'm in awe of people who have epilepsy who become advocates. I think it is significantly easier for people like myself who are a parent caregiver 
particularly in my uh, my situation with Adelaide, because she was unaware of what was going on. So all of my advocacy, you know, it, it was for her and for the community, but it was, you know, it was never going to negatively impact her. Um, but it can be kind of scary to go out there and to to talk about your diagnosis and to talk about how it affects you. So Tiffany, was there a moment where you just sort of decided that you wanted to step into that advocate role, that you were ready to share your story? You know, I just really looked at Chris and I said, you know, let's do this. Let's create a community and let's help out other people, patients, caregivers, and let's raise awareness. So I, well, both of us created a Facebook page and we called it the Epilepsy Network. Yeah. It helps to have a graphic designer in the house, huh? At the time we were, we had moved into our first apartment since everything <laughs> happened. We had a nine by nine room where we both had our home offices. So and she on was on one side yeah, and on the other. Our backs facing each other, but we both had our computers and yeah. And so yeah, we came up with the name and it started simply with the Facebook group for the Epilepsy Network and and then a simple website at the time. And what are your goals for the for the group? Well, the aim is to really uh, build community, help people not to feel alone, have a place to come together and raise awareness and crush stigmas. Yes. Well, yes. Mm. I hear all and, of that. And make more advocates. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I exactly. love advocates that. Advocates making advocates, you know. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Now, Tiffany, have they ever been able to localize your seizures? And you said it's refractory, but can they figure out if surgery is an option for you? You know, from the time that I was diagnosed, I, they ran a whole lot of tests, a bunch of tests. And there came a time, a day, I think it was a 2000. 18, October 2018, um, I made the decision that I wanted to do uh, an SEEG procedure. That's, you know, the biggest one you can do. <laughs> yes. And uh, so in doing that, um, one of the things that I needed to do was <laughs> shave my head. Which is not, I mean, that's that's a big deal. That's like... You're so, I mean, I remember seeing your posts about doing all of that and just thinking how brave you were. And you really documented this journey so, so beautifully for anyone who is curious about this process. I highly recommend that you go back and you look at, at Tiffany's posts on an SEEG because I just, you, um, you really were just so brave and strong and detailed and informative. What were the results of that? I know you were in the hospital. It felt like forever. Well, yeah, it was a 21 long day process. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't, you know, they aren't in the hospital as long as I was. They just couldn't get me to have a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. But yeah. they did find out the uh, where my seizures were coming from. But um, unfortunately, where my seizures were coming from, it was too big a risk 
to perform a uh, surgery because if they were to do so, it would uh, damage my vision, my memory, and my speech. So they didn't want to touch that. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you have to, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but your quality of life, right, is at the end of the day, you have to make some pretty heavy decisions. Um, although that one sounds pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's what it was about. Absolutely. It was the quality of life. And even, you know, her neurologist and the other neurologists were saying, yeah, you know, you, yes, you have seizures now, uh, but your quality of life is so much better <laughs> right now compared to what it potentially could be if we tried to perform the surgery. Yeah. Well, it's amazing to know that you have that information, though, that you know where they are, because who knows what um, scientific advancements will come along in the future that could, you know potentially open that door. I, you know, now in terms of managing your epilepsy today, you said that you, um, have the two different types of seizures, the tonic clonics and the complex partials. Do you have any auras or, um, ways that you can, uh, know that one is coming and, and you can prepare? So, uh, they're tricky. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. <laughs> sometimes it'll just yank the rug out from underneath me and I'll just, you know, black out. But when I do have those auras, I'll get like a funny smell in my nose, kind of like burning wires or soapy bubbles. Or I'll get that drop feeling. It's almost as if you're going down a hill. Like on a roller coaster or and something. On a roller coaster, yeah. <laughs> But at least that gives you, you know, a little bit of time, I suppose, to to prepare to get yourself into a safer position. Yeah. Usually when that happens, um, I get down onto the floor. And if I have enough time, I will call out to Chris either, you know, vocally or if my phone is nearby or in my hand, I'll shoot a quick text and say, I'm not OK. Can you come here? Yeah. You have both lived with epilepsy now for quite some time. And I wonder what advice do you have for other couples who are navigating an epilepsy diagnosis or, you know, years of life with epilepsy? You're in such a um, an incredible position and you've you've learned so much. I wonder what you can you can share with other people about being in a relationship with epilepsy. Go right in. Okay. I'll start with, um, well, there's a lot of things. We'll put it that way. But um, one of the biggest things is to be patient with the entire situation. And that's, I know it's easier said than done. Mm. But when you're able to be patient with it, you're, you're kind of giving grace to whoever's experiencing the seizures and you're giving grace to yourself because you're going to need it. You know, it's, um, it's, it's not easy in any sense. Uh, and we've, unfortunately, you know, through the communities that we've been involved with, we've heard a lot of marriages that fail, uh, pretty quickly, actually, when a epilepsy diagnosis comes on board. Um, but it doesn't have to be the end, you know, uh, Really, it is like, like I think we were talking about, it really comes down to a choice. You know, you can let it make you stronger or you can let it destroy you. You know, it's, um, mm. 
And it is that choice every single day. Mm-hmm. But as you continue to make the choice to be patient, have grace, and let it kind of make you stronger, and just kind of keep faith in that, that you will get stronger over time, you do begin to see a change. You begin to adjust, start mm-hmm. to understand things better, start to communicate about it better because you're both, you know, getting more experience, yeah. more knowledge, you know, uh, and actually it can really help your love grows stronger for one another too, because I I mean, you just, you're kind of brought up to this different level. You know, when you get married right away, if epilepsy is not a factor at that point, um, then you love each other the way that you ought to, hopefully. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, but then you really learn this whole side of what it's like to care for one another, to sacrifice for one another, to, to really go the extra mile with one another. You know I mean? It's, there's a lot. So I would just say, just keep sticking it out. Don't, don't get hopeless, you know, stay mm-hmm. hopeful and, uh, and yeah, have grace with yourself and with your significant other and with the situation. So. I can't follow that up. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there, well, and to not be afraid. Yes. And, yeah. Cause that's another thing. And that's easier said than done too. I know, I, you don't mind I me know. going on just a smidge more. I was going to say, because in the beginning when she started having seizures, I was terrified. You know, I, every seizure she, she had, I thought I was going to lose her. I thought that was it. You know, and I mean, there were times where she'd have seizures at night that would wake me up and sleep. And there's, as a caregiver, there's nothing you can do. You know, you can't stop a seizure. You can't, you can do your best to care for them. Uh, but yeah, after those things, you know, I'd be so shocked and kind of terrified. You know, I actually had tremors afterwards for a, for a little while. That did go away. You know, now I, you know, I'm acclimated to it. I'm adjusted to it in the sense of, yeah, where it's not scary. And, and that's the thing is, I wish I would have known that back then, is that it's nothing to be fearful of. Like, yeah. yes, you don't want anyone to experience a seizure. Yes, it's a terrible thing, but at the same time, to not be afraid in such a way that keeps you away. That is great advice. Well, Tiffany, Chris, I am just, you are both just sunshine coming through my screen here, and I am just in awe of your positivity and your support, both for one another and for this community. You two are doing amazing work, and I just wish you both the best and so, so much happiness going forward. Thank Thank you. you. And same for you too. Thank you, Tiffany and Chris, for sharing your epilepsy journey, challenges, and insights about living with epilepsy as a couple. For 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been the leading non-governmental supporter of epilepsy research. Our mission is to fund patient-focused epilepsy research that will lead us to a cure. If you would like to help us achieve our goal of a world without epilepsy, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Cure Epilepsy, inspiring hope and delivering impact. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs.
Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.